Uh, no doubt there probably would have been many uh, applicable songs. That was certainly one of them. Uh, to prepare our hearts, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I think your second verse had something about enemies, and that's actually where we're starting here tonight. Is I'm sure many of us at times in your lives you felt like you had an enemy, or maybe you did <laughs> have a real enemy, someone who's out for your demise or for your hurt, or, or perhaps a family member turned on you, or, or maybe a dear friend. You know, those things go deep. Those are hard hurts, you know. What do we do with that? And tonight... Um, this, is, this is where, if, if you've felt that, which my guess is most of us in this room have, this is where we find our commonality with the human author of our psalm tonight. Because he went through all of that. Uh, he, he too, like you and like me, had people turn against him. Dear people, family members, actually seeking his life. But yet, what did he do in the midst of all this? What do you do in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your enemies? Do we complain, murmur, gripe, fear, worry, spend sleepless nights? Or do we take our burden to the Lord and leave it there? <laughs> um, that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. That's what we're going to look at tonight. You know, and sometimes that's a hard, that's a hard thing. Sometimes that's a long wait, isn't it? Um, Israel was in Egypt for 430 years before God delivered them. Uh, all through the Old Testament, people waited century upon century for the Messiah to come. And yet the Bible says, this is a glorious thing, after all these hundreds of years, the Bible says in Galatians, it says, but when the fullness of time was come. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Why? To redeem them that were under the law. God knew when the time was, was right. And Jesus came and he delivered so tonight we're going to consider Psalm 3. So if you want to open your Bibles to Psalm 3. The subtitle here reads, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. So right away I'm sure you're rehearsing that, that story, right? And that story is found in 2 Samuel 15 and 16. So if you, if you want, you don't have to, but if you want to keep... Uh, a finger in Psalm, in, uh, sorry, Second Samuel, and another finger in Psalm three. I'll be flipping back and forth a little bit. Spend most of our time in Psalm three, of course. But, uh, but, but this Psalm, you'll you'll see how I think it'll open our eyes as we almost relive with David uh, this hard time, this desperate time of his life that we will read through in Second uh, Samuel 15 and 16. So it'll open our eyes to the suffering of the psalmist. So our long title tonight, but the suffering psalmist confidently depends on his faithful Savior. 
suffering psalmist. So certainly a tragic account when we have to consider the events of David's life as it is presented to us here. One family deliberately and viciously endeavoring to destroy another one. So Psalm 3 opens with David's complaint about his enemies. Verses 1 and 2, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. David turns right away. He turns his complaint into prayer. Something I've been in a habit of telling my children when they, maybe if they're away and they call with a problem. I say, whenever you think of that problem, turn it into a prayer. Talk directly, put your, as pastor said this morning, turn your, turn your gaze heavenly. Turn it into a prayer. Talk to the Lord about it right away. Every time you think about it, take it to the Lord in prayer. So David watches and he, he, he listens right, to the reports as he flees from his son, Absalom from this rebellion, this conspiracy. The, the, the rebellion's growing. His loyal friends, his subjects, seem to be all turning on him. And his own son, Samuel, not only seeks his crown, but seeks his life. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 12, toward the end, the second part of verse 12, 2 Samuel 15, 12b, says the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. Referring right back to Psalm 3, Lord, how are they that increased that trouble me? You can see this correlation. Perhaps David wrote this in the midst of, of, his, of his trial, in his fleeing. Perhaps he wrote it years later as he's remembering back. But you see how closely it ties in uh, with the events of David's life. You know, this, this day, this, this trouble that David was experiencing was prophesied years earlier. And no, no doubt David thought on his own past sins, though forgiven, with now these consequences coming to fruition. His sin with Bathsheba and against Uriah. He likely remembered these prophesied consequences as he walked barefoot with his head covered, as the scriptures tell us in 2 Samuel. But even before this event, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 11, we hear the voice of Nathan, the prophet of God, and he says, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Though forgiven, our sins will still have consequences many times. And David's experiencing these. But yet, he takes, even in the midst of this, even though he's realizing the consequences of his own sin, he still turns his voice and his heart to God. Verse 2. Many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him in God. 
Perhaps you have some naysayers in your life. Perhaps you have some people in your life that realize some things that you've done that have been wrong in years past. And they enjoy bringing that up as often as they can. That's difficult. Perhaps David, as he's walking this path, uh, fleeing from his son, per, uh, as he's writing the psalm, remembering this, perhaps he's thinking of the words of Shimei, uh, who cursed David many times. Second Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16. You remember that as David walked along, and Shimei comes in, he starts cursing David and throwing stones and dust. Some of his, David's warriors along his side wanted to end this man's life very quickly. But he said, no, if God's called him to curse, let him curse. Uh, Shimei says, and thus said Shimei, when he cursed, he said, come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. These are horrible things Shimei is saying against David. Perhaps you have people that are cursing you. Don't like what you've done or what, what, what you're doing. Perhaps you have voices in your life that tell you that God doesn't listen to you. Perhaps there's someone who knows the evils of your past, yet God is faith. We always remember when these voices come, we remember that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we look at the end of verse 2, Selah. This this word occurs 70 times in the Psalms and occurs three times in this Psalm, Psalm 3. Some say it's a musical interlude. Others say it's it's a denotation of, of perhaps as if to say stop and think about it. Consider what was just said. Perhaps both could be true. Musical interlude while you're stopping to think about it. But David moves past all these harsh words. Okay, there's eight verses in Psalm 3. He spends two of them complaining. And the other six, he turns directly to God. And recognizing who God is, what he has done for him in the past, and then confidently Declaring his own trust and faith in his God. So I love how verse 3 starts. After complaints of all of his enemies in verses 1 and 2, desperate complaints. Verse 3, but thou, O Lord. In other words, no one can compare. My, My enemies are nothing compared to you, Lord. But thou, O Lord art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. But thou, O Lord. I see this as a remarkable transition that David has. A remarkable transition that David makes. 
He decides to turn from his problems to the only one who can solve his problems, to his Lord. He decides to turn from his worry to thinking about and talking to his God, the only one who can provide him with the protection he needs to restore his reputation and to give peace and joy. Charles Spurgeon says this, what a divine trio of mercies is contained in this verse. Defense for the defenseless, glory for the despised, and joy for the comfortless. Verse 4, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. David remembered the many times, the many times that he had been in trouble in the past, and he remembers how many desperate prayers, how many cries for help that he had cried to God. David remembered that God had answered. David remembered some of these victories. God, David remembered that God was able to deliver. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me. Though the answer be long in coming sometimes, folks, God always hears. He sees, he knows, and he loves don't doubt the goodness of your God. God is a David knows God is able to deliver him. In essence, David is saying, I have trusted God in the past, and he has helped me, and I know he will hear me and help me now also. Romans 5 gives us that, right? I'm not going to read it. In, in essence, it goes down all of this trying of our faith. It's, it's, our, it's the growth of the Christian life, those first few verses. It goes down and it says that we're going to have the experience as we see God work, as we trust him and we depend on him and we see him work. And then later, we have another trial. We have another testing. And we get to look back to see, oh, God delivered me then. He's able to, to deliver me now. This is what David's doing. He's depending on God because he knows God's delivered him in the past. We need to remember how God has worked in our lives, how he has answered prayers, and how he has delivered in the past. And these are meant to be faith builders for trusting God in our present trial and in the future. Remembering and considering what God has already done. And what an appropriate time, the end of verse 4, last word, Selah. Think about it. Remember what God has done for you in the past. And don't, don't let your present circumstances shake your trust in your God. He has delivered you in the past. He can deliver you now. He is more than able Verse 5, um, yes, verse 5, I laid me down and slept. I waked, 
for the Lord sustained me. I can almost see this. Like, okay, why is David throwing this in, 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 in here? I went to sleep and I, and I woke up. Because he's demonstrating that he really does trust God. He's demonstrating by the mere fact that he's got people out to kill him and he has no place to shelter. He is in the wilderness and he lay down and slept. And he awoke. Why? He knows why. Because God sustained him. Almost as though to, to say, if I didn't wake, I would have been in heaven, and that would have been God's will, and I'm okay with that. David was able to sleep, even though, and frankly, any one of these things could keep us up all night long worrying, even though his past sins were called to his own remembrance, even though the, the, the consequences for, it, yes, his repented sins, but his consequences nonetheless, nonetheless were coming to fruition. Even though he lost his job, in essence. Even though he had his son was rebelled against him. And even though his son was out to kill him, he laid himself down and slept. And awoke, for the Lord sustained him. Matthew Henry says this. He says, this is applicable to the common mercies of every night, which we ought to give thanks for alone and with our families every morning. Many have not where to lay their head, but wander in deserts. Or if they... Dare not lie down for fear of the enemy, but we have laid ourselves down in peace. Many lie down and cannot sleep, but are full of tossing to and fro till the dawning of the day through pain of body or anguish of mind or of continual alarms of fear in the night. But we lie down and sleep in safety as though incapable of doing anything then for our own preservation." Verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Now for us, that would be hyperbole. That would be an exaggeration. We don't have ten thousand for David. This was likely a reality. He had ten thousands of people seeking his head. But what did he say about that? I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against round about me. We, like David, should declare our confidence in our God in the midst of trying circumstance. We get to our final section here, verses 7 and 8. David's commitment to his God. And finally, we reach verses 7 and 8 in the end of this psalm in a 
final declaration of dependence and trust, David calls to God for his help. He says, Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Verse 7, he calls for help. He says, Arise, O Lord. He's declared that he can do nothing for the sustaining of his own life, but depends completely on his Lord, on his God. David calls to God knowing that he has delivered him in the past and knowing that God can deliver him now and in the future. In verse 8, his call of affirmation, he says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. In this last verse of Psalm 3, David affirms his trust in his God that salvation and blessing come from God alone. Salvation and blessing come from God alone. And then again, finally, Selah. The psalm ends with the third and final Selah. Stop and think about it. We should take heed and think about how we trust in God. Are we depending on him? Are we remembering how he has saved us in the past? Do I trust God with my life as David did? Do I trust God in times of great and desperate trials as David did? Do I remember the past victories from the Lord in my life as David did? Folks, these are real David was a real person. We all believe that. But sometimes we forget that. <laughs> he had real hardships. He had real pro These were real people that were after him. This was a real trial. This was a real desperate time. And in the midst of this real desperate time, he turned to his real God, depending on him completely. And we should do the same. In the midst of whatever your trial is, and everybody has one today, tonight, right now, everybody has something that you're fussing with. And sometimes we fuss with God about it, don't we? Let's turn that fussing into an absolute confident dependence. God, I trust you in this. If you want me to go through this instead of taking it away, I'm willing because I trust you. Those are hard things to say. Well, they're easy things to say. They're hard things to believe <laughs> and to actually trust. But that's what God calls us to do, and that's what David gives us the example Final quote from Matthew Henry says, In singing this, this psalm, and praying it over, we must own the satisfaction we have had in depending upon God and committing ourselves to him and encourage ourselves 
and one another to continue still hoping and quietly waiting for the salvation of the Lord. We look back and say, God has delivered me. We look forward and say, I trust you, God. I trust you. We can take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. We can, and let's turn to hymn 139, please. We can lean on the everlasting arms, hymn 139. May remain seated as we sing. mission. Uh, one time he was in his house and another man came in rather desperately and quickly and said that they're one of the other mission stations were, were being attacked and, and some of his co-workers were being killed. And he was quite beside himself and Hudson Taylor kind of turned and started, started um, humming a hymn. Jesus, I am resting, resting in the fullness of what thou art. And the, the young man was rather upset. Did you hear what I said? And he, Hudson Taylor turned, turned to him and said, would you rather I worry and fret? I don't think that's cold. Where is our trust? You know, I, I, I debated about such a... a an, up rhythm song here for a, a closing. But doesn't that fit? Shouldn't we be released of our burden as we cast it on him? Uh, let's sing that last stanza together. What have I to dread? What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have 